as we gather this morning, it's entirely plausible and I, I hope there are people in this room who experience what we just experienced and say, I have no clue what that is. And if that's you, I want you to know you belong in this church. We want you here every day. We can go get coffee. Let's hang. Let's talk about this. But there's some of us who gather together and we're like, I, I don't, he, who is he? And what is this love? He is this man named Jesus who lived long ago and lives today and transformed my life and transformed the lives of many others in this room. And if we had enough wood to burn around a campfire and enough time to sit there, you would hear story after story of, of what we just sang. And I also know there are people in this room who've forgotten. Like George said, we remembered, we used to sing, Jesus loves me, we used to mean it. And then life happened and we started getting smarter and we outgrew some of this stuff. Then we sneak into church and we say, why do we still have to sing? Let's just do smart stuff. And if that's you, I want you to know you belong here. But as long as I get to pastor, we're gonna sing because there's something different when we recognize who Jesus is, mere words aren't enough. Sitting around coffee and raising a glass to my Lord is just not enough. There's something emotive that bursts out of us in song, in dance, in praise. And that's just the church, guys. And so that's what we call worship. We're in this series called called past the love and we're talking through the different values of this this community here this church and and over the next five weeks last week and the next five if you worship with us you will get a clear picture of who this community is what we are called to do and I believe you're going to be able to say that is my home and I could paint you a picture of it because I understand now and that's our heart behind this and before we go any further let, let's thank Jesus for being being here, okay? Let, let's pray, pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you're the reason that we live and breathe. You're the reason that we're able to function in any way. But sometimes we come into a place like this and it goes from a school, gym, cafeteria to a sanctuary. And it goes from a out of season school to to your dwelling place. We thank you that you're here. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, if you were with us last week, Jamel started off this series, and he talked about the fact that we are going to be talking about the values over and over and our mission and our vision and all of these things because it's, it's important for us to understand where we're coming from and who we are. And he used exercise science to help explain this, which was fascinating because I know nothing of exercise science, as you could tell. And he talked about how you cannot work your core too much. 
You just can't. And at the core of who we are is our mission and our vision and our values. And so it's worth us pushing pause on the rest of life to sit for six weeks and talk about our values. And, and he explained this to me in the office, and I understood, and I believed it. And here's the problem, though. Exercise science, though I know a few things, it's kind of theory to me. Because I prefer to, like, have a root beer and just sit around and hang out. So I was like, okay, what's practical in, in my life? What do I like to do? I like to laugh. And apparently that works your core a little bit too. <laughs> but it, it got me thinking about this one skit. And if you don't know this skit, go home and Google it. But it, it's about this, this band gets together. It's from Saturday Night Live. This band gets together, and they're playing awesome, but there's one instrument that they want more of, and that's just the cowbell. <laughs> they need more cowbell. And so the guitar gets going, everything gets going, and this guy starts rocking a cowbell. And they pause it, and they're like, wait a minute, that sounds great, but we need more cowbell. And over and over again throughout this skit is some dude pounding a cowbell. Because we just need more and more of that to make it beautiful. Now that song, if you watch the skit, was not beautiful. But there is something beautiful about a community who comes back to the same thing over and over again. And so if the exercise science idea does not work for you, we will have this lovely cowbell around for you to remember that this is who we are. We'll go through scripture tomorrow or to this afternoon. Open the pages of scripture. You will see over and over, remember, remember, remember. Bang that like a cowbell so you never forget. And we're remembering together the very unique personality and, and culture that God is inviting us to live as. Okay, that's what this is. And today we're talking about the value of truth. Now truth is a really fascinating subject. I feel like the people who seem to claim to hold truth are pretty militant. They're really quick to tell you when you don't know it and when they do. And they're not real quick to share it. And then it kind of seems like the people who claim that truth doesn't even exist, they seem to be the most free people in the world. <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense to me. Truth seems to atrophy with age. So you meet some young people especially like the age of all my children, pray for me. <laughs> they seem to have life figured out. And they're puzzled that us older folk have the inability to learn from them. And if we would just submit and learn from teenagers, the world would be better. But then when you hang out with people who are more chronologically enhanced, they seem to be aware of the truth that they know, but also of the truth that they don't know. And they seem to be pretty comfortable there. And if you spend time with any parents of small children, you know that they, they just don't know the truth about anything anymore. Those poor folks are just trying to get a nap. <laughs> Everything was changed by this, like, seven, eight, nine-pound little something. Our culture struggles with truth. We wonder, we wonder just what is true. And if truth is just true for a time, and what is timeless? 
And then there comes this whole idea that we care the most about, where faith and Jesus and truth come together. And honestly, most of us avoid all of that because we're like, it gives me a headache and I don't know what to do. But if you are a part of one church, then you need to know the pursuit of truth is at the core of who we are. The truth and the truth about Jesus are essential and real. And this morning, I want to challenge the way that we see truth. And I want to challenge the way that we interact with truth. Because as I've watched people, I've noticed that we look at truth like it's a test. Like, were any of you guys good test takers? A few of us. I was a really good test taker. I didn't, I'm that kid in school that you didn't like. George, he still doesn't like me. But no, I was the one in school that I'd kind of read. I usually knew the color of the textbook. And then I, I just knew how to take tests. I felt like the teachers were just silly, like, you're making it obvious. And I could just take the tests. But the, whether we could take tests or not, there's always this thing we do. We, we cram, right? You cram for the test, then you take the test, and then you, like, ask all of that knowledge to exit your brain so that you can put new knowledge in there. Unless it's one of those classes that gives you like a cumulative final, which you just fail and take next year when you realize there's a cumulative final. (laughs) We're handed a Scantron and we're on our way. And reality is in our culture, that's often how we view faith. We come to church to collect facts about Jesus as if we're going to pass a test. And sadly, when we get to Monday, we, we kind of fragment our brains a little bit and leave that for the next Sunday when we can add some more knowledge. And we frame the results of any tests that we pass and we hang it on our wall. And over time, we start to see discipleship as this accumulation of facts and how many obscure things do I know about the Gospels and can I teach you something you don't know And like, I'm telling you, pastors are the worst. Like we just, this is how so many folks live. It's in our culture. It's in the way that we choose to do church. And so we see discipleship as this way of moving from like 100 level classes in your major to like graduate levels. And where maybe I knew a little bit about Jesus before, like Jesus loves me, this I know. Maybe I'll be able to know really, really cool, obscure things later as if that's the goal. Reality is if you look at scripture and church and discipleship like this, you will get to know a lot more facts about Jesus. You will. You will become smarter. But I'll let you know that here at One Church, smarter is not our aim. We're completely comfortable and very hopeful that someone will one day walk in the room and will look at us and say, those are some extremely ordinary people who have been with Jesus. Because that was enough for the church in Acts. And if that's enough for them, I'm pretty sure that's enough for old Louisville. Yeah. And so we'll pick up some stuff along the way whenever Jamel teaches. <laughs> but I believe we'll spend time with Jesus. Amen. And we'll start to learn what truth looks like there. You see, truth is not like math facts. It's much richer than that. Let me, let me try to explain this to you. What... If I ask you, what is Lake Michigan, what are you going to say? What, dirty and water? (laughs) 
George is always the one in pressed clothing. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> yeah, good answers. So a few years ago, I, I, I had this chance to talk to some college students, and I was trying, I, was, I had like 10 minutes, which for me is like, I can't get out my name in 10 minutes, and, and I had like 10, 15 minutes to talk to them, and Nikki happened to be in Chicago, and I was talking about love, and I was like, okay, do me a favor before you come home. She was supposed to come home just before, I think like 4 o'clock, I was, I was doing this thing at 6, and, and I was like, are you, are you near the Navy Pier? And she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm near the Navy Pier, and so she she goes there, and it's, I should tell you this, because I, I wasn't trying to be mean, but it's February, okay? And her and her friend were all dolled up for Chicago and hanging out, and I was like, okay, go to the Navy Pier and get me some of the lake. And she's like, what? And like, for real, I need it. It's for work. <laughs> and so she's like, I, get you some of the lake. And like, yeah honest. I need it. I'll explain it later. I still don't know if I have. I'll explain it later and uh, just get me some of the lake. So her friend goes with her cute little boots and all this and Nikki drops her off at the Navy Pier but you know they're all crabby there if you don't pay $40 for parking and my wife's not going to pay $40 for parking so she just keeps driving around and her friend gets out with her cute little boots and her dress and all this stuff in February and goes to the lake like falling in there's snow. They could have cheated. They could have just like got dirty water from somewhere but they didn't and she went and she dipped this bottle in Lake Michigan. Because if Lake Michigan is just water, then this is Lake Michigan. This is it, right? If all that Lake Michigan is, is water, then I had my wife steal me Lake Michigan, and if you come to my office, it is on my shelf every day. And if you come in my office, you if you have, you probably were like, that's gross. He's got an old, dirty g bottle of water that's nasty up there. That's weird. It is weird. But that is a reminder to me every single day that often I have lived like this is faith. Jesus is love. Oh, I know that. He's love. Let me bottle that up, put that on the shelf, and act like I know. That's not it, guys. For the rest of my life, how high... How wide, how deep, how long the love of Christ is. It is worth our pursuit to go find that very thing that we might have a limited word. We might have like very minor words in English to use. They might be a little more major when we sing them, but they're still vastly limited. And most often we live like, yeah, I already know that about Jesus. Let me bottle it, put it on my shelf and move on. I've heard that he's loved. Let me skip this chapter and go on to something more advanced than that. I don't need the 100 level stuff. I need the graduate stuff. I tell you, I have followed Jesus for quite a while now. I only need the 100 level stuff. That's it. I need the fact that it is by his grace that I woke this morning. And it's by his mercy that he still loves me. And praise the Lord, he is patient with me. And that his love covers everything. Yeah. And then there's truths about me that I so quickly forget. I could tell you, I could put it on a scantron, but I can't put it into my everyday life until I view truth differently. Truths like, I am his son, no matter what life tells me. Yeah. That I'm an heir to the kingdom of God, no matter who looks down on me. Right. That I'm forgiven and covered with grace.
because he said so, even if I don't want to be in that moment. You see, in the, when us U.S. Christians think of God, it's way too easy for us to say things like God is love and bottle that up and stick it on the shelf. But God is love, and we need to experience that over and over and over. If I need to see the awesome power of Lake Michigan and be reminded of God's beauty, I, I don't stare at this. I go and I stand at the shore, and it is vastly different if I go out on a boat. And it's vastly different if I'm on top of the carousel on on the Navy Pier, and it's vastly different if I'm on the Indiana side, and it is vastly different, and I think I could go get perspective day after day after day for the rest of my life and learn more about Lake Michigan, and that's just a silly, dirty lake. What about a holy, awesome, majestic God? As we pursue truth, we desire to roll up our sleeves and go experience something of him. We don't simply value a truth that you can know and test and check off a list and then move on from. We value a truth here that breathes. And why do we value a truth that breathes? Because this Jesus that we worship is alive and the grave cannot hold him. He said in John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And so the way through this past week, the week that just passed, whether you were aware of it or not, was Jesus. The way through that week was Jesus. It was not some genie in a lamp where you throw up some wishes. It was not A plus B equals C. It's not any of those things. The way to get to where God wants you to go from where you are is Jesus. Because he said, I am the way. And like, oh, Okay, when my kids won't wake up and I need them to wake up and do their chores and do their whatevers, like the way to do that is in Jesus. Not in like some, oh yeah, Jesus is always the answer. No, like actually, that's what it is. When I have time to drive my son to football and the car is tired and sleepy, but I want to engage him because I love him, the way to do that is like Jesus. The way in your life is Jesus the truth, the only truth that isn't relative, the only truth that's meaningful and transformative is Jesus. What he says, what he does, the life, the very life you and I have gotten our hands dirty to find is Jesus. Not in a church answer kind of way. Not in a, well, answer Jesus because it's probably the right answer kind of way. But in a real Wake from the fog of sleepiness into the life you were intended for. Kind of Jesus. And so this truth is breathing because this truth is him. And so here at One Church, we will celebrate anybody's pursuit of truth. You come from wherever you come from. We've had the honor and privilege of people from several many different religions worshiping with us. Come worship with us. We're going to tell you about Jesus. We're going to tell you about what we know, but pursue truth because I believe, honestly, I believe that truth in and of itself is a horrible end. It's a horrible end. If algebra, if I want to know everything about algebra and all the truths of algebra and that's all I want out of life, I am not going to be a happy guy, especially because I'm not good at math. 
Truth in itself, in a box, that's a horrible end, but it is a beautiful means because the pursuit of truth leads us to God. Because truth is his. It says in Psalm 43, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. And so we, we love the pursuit of truth, but not for the sake of just truth alone. We love it because it brings us into the presence of God. And so what this actually looks like is when I am in the hospital praying with my little daughter, talking to doctors, trying to figure that out, I will start to learn about things that I don't know anything about. And I'll start to learn about seizures and medications and all this, trusting that Jesus is in this and he knows what he's doing. All of a sudden, I'm in counseling with my son and and learning about mental illness and all this. Yes, and I'm going to go learn as much as I can to be equipped to handle everything. But I'm doing this because I know that Jesus is our end. And so I'm not afraid of learning this along the way. And so we go learn. We learn from each other. And even dare learn from people who are nothing like us. Their culture is different. Their religion. Go learn from them. Go listen to them. And let them point you to Jesus. And trust that Jesus is big enough in this. Because this is our prayer here. This city is grieving a bit, right? We're grieving right now for real, real reasons. Kind of one of our guys, our guy, has passed. Somebody who like, I don't know, I kind of, not even growing up here, felt like he was immortal, is mortal. And I think the grieving over Muhammad Ali opens us up to grieve over like all the other things we've already been grieving on but just didn't take time to. We're grieving on tensions. We're grieving on socioeconomic things, on school things, on race things. We're grieving on the fact that we care about being beautiful as a city for two weeks pre-derby, and then we don't care the rest of the year. There's a lot of things that we grieve, but this shows us how. This shows us a prayer. Let your light and your truth guide us as we grieve. In the middle of racial and class class tensions, We can ask the Lord to send his light and his truth to guide us through tense situations. In the middle of this election and uncertainty and personal challenges, through health and hurts and all of this, we ask that he would send out his light and his truth to guide us through our specific stuff. Guide me when I'm dealing with my son, with my daughter, with my friends. Guide me to deal with uh, our, our friend Sean Marshall up in Chicago. You got, many of you have met him. All of a sudden, God has decided to explode healing in their church. And cancer is falling off of people. Like literally. But you know where that leads the rest of the church? Is to say, oh, oh, that, that looks a little different. I don't know if I even pray that way. So Lord, let your light and truth guide me as I learn what you're doing over there. That that's not just for Chicago. That that's for your children. And as this light comes in, we develop a longing to go to his holy hill and experience his dwelling place. His truth breathes in and through us and we're changed by Jesus. In his prayer for us, 
we talk a lot about. He, he's, Jesus says these words. He's talking to his father. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. But then he says this, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. We live right here in this year, in this time. We worship right here in the middle of old Louisville, temporarily in this really warm gym, soon to be on 4th and Oak. And Jesus prays that we will be kept in the truth. That we'll open his word. That we'll spend time together in his word. That we'll spend time alone in his word. And that that will sanctify us. This is a really fancy way of talking about being purified, being set apart, being prepared being brought back to who you were. Remember, you were made in the image of God. We forget that like as soon as we can think. But we were made in the image of God, and so it's bringing you back to Jesus, being more like Jesus because that's how you were made to function. That's how you were made to be, and we come out of this sanctified and glorious. And many of us are limping through life right now because we don't know the truth. We've heard the lies that we're not enough, that we don't have enough, that we need to try to be more or at least lie and say we are more. We believe deceptions that God is distant or powerless or bitter. Twice this last week I was sitting in meetings where people who are mature believers talked about our father and I felt like they were talking about Zeus. I was like, I, t- I don't know that guy. I don't know him. He's vengeful and mean. He throws lightning bolts at folks. That's not my father. My father could if he wanted to. That's out of character. He doesn't act like that. My father's jealous. He's powerful. He is mighty and he is holy. But he's not Zeus. He doesn't hate creation. He loves us. Us goofy-headed people. He loves us. We believe that that God's distant, that he doesn't care, and we've let our minds be clouded by these complexities that do not belong. Then we wonder why we're here, why we've gotten lost. None of this is shaming. If this is where you feel, I'm so glad that you're here because this community is committed to the truth, but I'm talking not just some graduate level complex thing. We're, we're going like basics. We are about pursuing the truth. Like what does it look like for you to actually believe that God spins the earth and adores you at the same time? And what does that look like when you go to work tomorrow? And what does that look like next time that you feel real heavy and alone? And what does that look like when you open scripture? Is it different? Are you currently like just collecting facts or are you really engaging with the God of all creation who wants to sit and share a cup of coffee with you? Jesus prayed for you to have these clouds of fear and deception lifted and that you would be sanctified and purified by his word and the truth of God, and then that you would be sent out into the world. And I'll be honest, most often because we're a plant and we're excited and we're just getting started and it's all energy, I tend to just send you out. 
Jamel does the same. We just like go. It's exciting what God has going on. And it is exciting what God has going on. And you will get sent out. But this morning, can we take a moment and just let God do some sanctifying? Can we just sit in whatever is true and whatever is untrue that you are currently believing? Can you like let that stay in the seat and then we'll fold that up, put that away, and you don't need to take it home with you today? Can we allow God a moment to speak his truth to us as a community, but to you as his child? So we're going to do something right now. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to sit still for one, mo- one minute. One minute's really not long, like when you're intellectually thinking about it. When you're practicing, a minute's a long time. You're going to be okay. And we're going to sit still for a minute. And in that minute, I want to ask you to ask Jesus to speak the truth to you. And then I want to ask you to stop talking so you can listen. And I trust he's big enough to meet you in the very seat that you're in. And let's hear what he has to say. So can we pray together and ask him to do just that? Let's do that. Jesus, thanks for who you are. Thanks for your patience with us as we overly complicate everything. And No matter how well we know you, may you show us more. No matter how much we understand your love, would you reveal more of it? And and would you get us out of our head and intellect for a moment so that we can experience this in real ways? And so whether you're talking the truth about you or honestly the truth about us, would you speak to our hearts, please? We're listening.